You're listening to Give Your Life Away, a devotional podcast from Canyon Bible Church of Prescott designed to equip you with the truth of God's Word and encourage you in the pursuit of ascribing glory to Jesus Christ. Today on the Give Your Life Away podcast, and specifically in the Epistle Project, as we're going through the book of Colossians, we come to the household section in Colossians 3, 18 through 4, chapter 1. Paul writes this, Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. The commands in these passages cover Christian households, like I said earlier. The master-slave relationship was one that was part of the household as well. In each of these relationships, I wonder if you noticed, Paul addresses the authority figure and the person under authority. They both have commands to obey in Christ. Now, as I mentioned before, in this podcast, sometimes I'll, I'll mention the main point of the passage or I'll do a devotional thought based on the main point of the passage. And sometimes I'll just take one small part of the passage and, and give you some thoughts about that. Well, that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to take one part of the passage, one of these relationships, in fact, one of these people referred to in this passage, and talk a little bit about that person or, or that, that uh, group of people. For the sake of this podcast today, I want to focus in on the command to fathers. Now, this command applies to all parents. Paul addresses the head of the household, the fathers, but certainly this would include the mothers as well. He tells parents not to provoke their children, lest they become discouraged. Now, I believe that this is often a passage that goes unheeded by Christian parents. I believe that Christian parents who are intent on doing their best to raise children in a godly manner, sometimes overly communicate their authority to their children, and they don't look out for the fact that they may be provoking their children. They have this position of authority, and the child is to submit to that authority, but they almost act as if because they have that authority, they can do anything in the name of that authority. And that's not true. There's actually a a check on that authority. And what is the check? It's in this passage. You have authority, but do not provoke your children to anger so that they do not become discouraged. If you're not a parent, don't turn off this episode. If you're ever in charge of any person or group or employee, the exhortation would be the same. We do not lead or exercise authority by provoking those under us to anger. There is something for everyone to learn here. Now, I want to mention some ways that parents, and really any authority figure, can provoke people to anger. But specifically, I'm going to focus in on parents. I want to take this list from a book written by John MacArthur called What the Bible Says About Parenting. 
So I want to take this list and give you give you some examples of what provoking a child looks like. Specifically, I'll give you nine examples. First, we can provoke children to anger by overprotection, never allowing them to develop, never trusting them, trying to shield them from anything difficult or painful. Children are going to be out on their own one day. We as parents, as Christian parents, must prepare them for that reality by giving them opportunities to be independent a little bit at a time with wisdom, with accountability. But we should be preparing them to be independent. I once heard uh, a discipler of mine talk to me about raising my children, and he said, you're preparing them to be independent one day. You're preparing them to make decisions on their own. If you've got to regulate their television choices when they're still 18 years old and a senior in high school, you're in trouble because just in a few months, they're going to be out on their own with their own TV, their own time, with seemingly no authority over them. So he was saying, prepare them early to make independent choices on their own that honor the Lord. So overprotection could be one way to squelch that could be one way to keep them from growing, keep them from being prepared to be appropriately independent. Second, overindulgence. This is the opposite of overprotection. This is when a child is allowed to do whatever they want. Parents let these kids get away with everything. Children who have boundaries feel safe. Without boundaries, a child doesn't develop properly. They can come to resent the parent who didn't even ever care to tell them no. Proverbs 13, 24 says, He who spares the rod hates his son. Third, showing favoritism to one child over another. We see this in the life of Jacob and Esau. Each of their parents had their favorites, and the family did not flourish in that environment. The family suffered for it. Fourth, unrealistic goals. The child can never do a job well enough. They are never applauded for a good effort. They may get an A-, minus, but it will soon be pointed out to them that it wasn't an A. This can severely provoke a child to anger. Oftentimes, a child who feels like they can never do anything right will run to the wrong people or to the wrong vices for acceptance. Fifth, and like the last example, discouragement. Is your child's overall posture one where their head is down in disappointment? Do they walk around looking defeated? J- just, just watch them in a normal environment, just, just in, a, in a normal time when they're kind of just on their own, uh, not talking to anyone. Just notice, are, are they constantly down or are they in a good mood? Are, are they constantly disappointed? Do they feel beat down, discouraged? Are you constantly pointing out their flaws and rarely ever pointing out their successes? Think about how much you dwell on one piece of criticism. A friend may criticize you, and you think about it for three months. Now consider how many times you criticize your child when it's not absolutely necessary. That has an effect on children. Sixth, neglect. Children can be neglected even when both mom and dad live at home with them. Mom and dad have their own careers, have their own hobbies, have their own vacations, have their own pursuits. The child sometimes can begin to feel like he or she is in the way. 
She's playing in her soccer game one day and looks at the sidelines and realizes that the other kid's parents are always present, but hers are always too busy to be there. This is the pattern. Kids are left to make their own dinner, left to themselves way too much, to solve their own problems. This produces, over time, an anger and a resentment. Seventh, condescension. They are always mocked for their immaturity. Remember, children are children. They do things that children do. They say, do, and think immaturely. This is part of their learning. To mock them and constantly put them down and expect them to act three years older is troubling to a child. We need to let a child develop appropriately. I'm not saying take away all standards. I'm not saying don't set a bar that they can rise to. But be careful that you're not trying to get them to grow up faster than they are built to grow. Eighth, withdrawing love. Now, this is very sad when it happens, but it does happen. A parent threatens to withhold their affection or love in order to teach a child a lesson. They communicate that their love must be earned or kept. The reason this is so horrible is that it's contrary to the gospel love of Jesus Christ. The opposite attitude is what blesses a child. A child feels secure when they know that they can fail or make a mistake or even sin, and our love will not diminish. This actually leads children to thrive. Ninth, excessive discipline. This is when discipline can become abuse. Discipline is no longer to instruct, but to punish because the parent is angry. The parents try to hurt the child by their brute force or by their words. Discipline is to get the child's attention for the purpose of instruction. It's not meant to break the child. Consider these nine examples of provoking a child to anger, according to MacArthur. Certainly, if you're a parent, there's room for growth. You, you, one or two or three might have resonated with you. There's room for growth. There's grace. But the Lord is calling parents to parent in such a way that does not provoke their children to anger. Ask the Lord to help you to be like Christ to your child as you practice the opposite of these actions that we went through today. And may then your family flourish in Christ. If you've been encouraged by the Give Your Life Away podcast, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you'll find us online at canyonprescott.org. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for Give Your Life Away. We are alive.